Well, we are in the second week of our series, I Choose, and what we're talking about are some very specific and very important choices that we have the opportunity to make and, and that we need to make um, in our lives. And like we talked about last Sunday, cho- choices are a huge part of our lives. In fact, I've heard it said this way, we are the sum total of the decisions that we've made. Whatever choices you made in the past determined who you are today. The decisions that you're making today determine who you become and what you can do in the future. There's a lot of truth in that quote, which also puts a lot of pressure on us when it comes to making those choices. We say, well, if this is that important, what if I mess it up? What if I make the wrong choice? But that's exactly why we're focusing on, on just these four in this series, because they're, they're the biggies. They're the ones we want to get right. Last week, we talked about choosing purpose over popularity. And honestly, I think that today's tags right along with that, because in order to make that choice, in order to make the choice of purpose over popularity, I think we also have to be able to choose surrender over control. Now, right up front, here's the problem. A lot of us like to be in control. In fact, we prefer to be in control. In fact, some of us can't handle not being in control. In fact, I'm willing to take this little... little, uh, survey here, how many of you would say, I I am a person who could be described, or could have ever been described, as a control freak? Okay, good. How many of you would say, I do struggle with sometimes requiring control? Okay, that's a little better. All right, well, that's good. I'm glad glad we don't have a bunch of full-on control freaks. And the truth is, most of us probably struggle with control in some areas of our lives, some more than others, some in areas that affect other people more intensely. Like if, if you just control, want to control the things that have to do specifically with you that don't really affect anybody else, you're probably a more tolerable control freak. If your control issues begin to affect other people, yeah, you, you're probably driving somebody nuts at any given moment. Because I, I'm a control freak sometimes, I am, but control freaks also drive me crazy. And so it's a dangerous way to be, but my guess is a lot of us could describe ourselves that way. Um, for me, I, I drive. If we are going anywhere, if Stacy and I are going anywhere, a significant portion of the time, I drive. Um, it, but not by her choice. It is rare for her to drive when we're traveling together. If for some reason, maybe I'm not feeling well, occasionally I let her drive, but actually sometimes I'd prefer to drive when I don't feel well because I don't trust her to not you know, sharp curves and stuff like that. She's a great driver, but I'd just rather be in control. Or if she, like, picks me up here at the office on our way somewhere, if she's already in the driver's seat, um, oftentimes that's when I, that, those are the rare occasions that I'll hop in. But otherwise, it's all me. I, I prefer to drive because that's just how I feel comfortable. And my guess is that drives her crazy because she is a very capable... She's been driving longer than I have, right? So she should have this down, and she does. But I like to be in control of the vehicle. Actually, I think that I've decided after all these years that that is my main issue with flying. I don't like to fly. And I've decided that the control issue is one of the biggest reasons. Because once I'm on that plane, I have no say in anything that happens. I'm not flying the plane. Not that I want to fly the plane. I don't want to do that either. But it bothers me that I have no control over what's happening. That lack of control, I think, is what scares me and what keeps me on the ground. Control issues show up in a, in a variety of situations and in different areas of life, with different relationships that we have. It just it shows up differently. 
Maybe it's at work. If you're the boss, you may have control issues at work. You may refuse to delegate responsibilities. That may be your issue. If you're not the boss, you may have control issues that cause you to believe you can do your job better than your boss. If you have subordinates of any kind, you may have control issues and that you, you just do everything yourself because you know that they'll just mess it up. That may sound familiar to some of you. Maybe it's at home. I, uh, I very much like to possess the remote. I know, right? This sermon is all about my control issues, apparently. Um, I, like, I like to channel surf. I know that that would drive some of you nuts. I like to switch channels during commercials because commercials are lame. I like to make the volume decision, decide what's loud enough. I prefer to be in control. Some of you might be control freaks in the kitchen. Maybe you're married and you believe your spouse has no business being in the kitchen. Maybe they've proven that that needs to be the case. But you know where everything is and you know where everything goes and you know how everything works and they don't. And there's very little in life more frustrating than opening that specific drawer to pull out that specific kitchen utensil and it not be there. But that's where it's supposed to be. That's where it's supposed to be. And we can talk about control issues and even joke about it all day long because at a certain point, if we're honest, we'd have to sit back and say, I'm kind of ridiculous. But the serious side of this is that whenever we're trying to control something that's not ours to control, it's most likely a reflection of us having a a really significant spiritual problem. In those areas of our lives where we crave control, in a lot of ways, we're trying to be like God. We want the say. We want the control. I want control because I know what's best. We probably wouldn't say that we're trying to be like God, but, but in a way, we are. And so we're going to look at a passage of Scripture this, today that gets, that gets quoted a lot. It's extremely popular, and, and, and people will quote it, but we struggle to live it out. And it's in Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And, and right on the surface, before we go any deeper in the passage, that, that passage of Scripture, in fact, smacks our control issues hard. Because it says we need to trust in the Lord with all our hearts, and you might say, well, of course I trust God. I, obviously I trust God. But with how much of your heart? All of it? Well, the, the truth is we struggle to get to the point where we could say all. And then this is not to depend on our own understanding. That one is tough because we often think we're the smartest person in the room. I struggle with that. When I'm not as smart as I sometimes act like I am. And it's so tough for me to believe that I should not depend on my own understanding but defer to God because I, at least if I mess up, I'm the one that's messed up. But if something else goes wrong, it might be somebody else's fault. And even though it's God and you know He's never going to mess up, we struggle with that because we like to be in control. It would be in my best interest to defer to God, and yet I still struggle with that. That verse also says, seek His will in all you do. That's even tougher. Other versions of this passage of Scripture put it this way, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And in Hebrew, in the original language, the word that's translated there to acknowledge is also the word that means to submit to. And so we're to submit everything to God, give Him control of our path, submit to His will, which all sounds nice until you actually try to do it. 
Because when we try to do that, we end up with an internal struggle. Because even though we know that God being in control is for the best, we know that, we acknowledge that, we'll even say those words. Even if we'll do that, it's easier said than done for a bunch of control freaks. We say, I'm going to let go of this, except that our hand doesn't loosen a grip. Here's a scary truth for us today. The more that we try to control, the more we become afraid to lose control. And the more afraid we are of losing control, the more we try to control. And our fear drives us to control. And our control drives us to fear. And that cycle, it doesn't seem like it's breakable at that point. And what happens is if we flow through that cycle, eventually we push God out of the equation. And so I wanted today to look at an example from the Old Testament of of control gone bad. You see, no matter how confident we are in our ability in the situations we try to control, the truth is there will be times when we simply won't get it right because we're not that good. And so I want us to look at Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. Abraham and Sarah, husband and wife. Abraham had a very special relationship with God. Uh, When we tend to list off the, the spiritual heroes of Scripture, Moses always comes up. You know, we talk about guys from, from the stories we learned maybe if we were kids growing up in church in Sunday school, like Noah and Daniel. But, but Abraham almost always comes up because he had a special relationship with God. And if anyone should have trusted God, it would be Abraham. But in multiple situations, Abraham's desire to control overtook his trust in God. And that happens to us a lot. There was one situation where Abraham and Sarah, they, they were in danger. They were in legitimate physical danger. And instead of trusting God to rescue them, Abraham took control. And in this particular situation, he lied and he claimed that Sarah was his sister instead of his wife in an attempt to protect her. And it was a decent strategy. It may have even been considered noble in the moment because he was protecting his wife in this way. But he also could have trusted God and he chose to go his own route. And so Abraham, this shows up with him a multiple times. The biggest example of Abraham and Sarah going their own way was when they seemed to to not be able to have children, and yet what they wanted more than anything else was a child. And in Genesis chapter 15, we get that story, beginning in verse 1. It says, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram. This was back before Abraham's name was changed from Abram to Abraham. He said, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. And and so Abram was frustrated because he he desperately wanted to have a son. And if he died someday, you know, he was going to have to leave everything to his servant, and that just wasn't right because that's the end of his family as he knew it. And God makes him this promise. And last night, I don't know if you were outside last night, it was a pretty clear night. It's, It's way too easy to lose track of counting those stars. And God says, that's How many descendants you're going to have? More than the stars in the sky. But some time goes by, and they still don't have a child. 
And some more time goes by and they still don't have a child. And, and despite the promise, the discouragement creeps back up. And as many of us would, they got a little bit impatient. And Sarah did what a lot of us would do, and when God's timing didn't fit her desire, she decided to take control, or at least try to take control. And I doubt that even in that moment she would say that she knew better than God, but that's what her actions said, that she knew better than God. And in that very next chapter, Genesis 16, it says this, beginning in verse 1, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, her name also was changed later to Sarah, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened ten years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. And, and she did give birth to a son who they named Ishmael. And later Sarah gave birth to a son by Abraham named Isaac. You see, God had a plan, but it took time, and time became the thing that, that Sarah didn't want to wait for that Abraham didn't want to wait for. They decided that their timing was more important than God's. And it's an amazing ripple effect that this one moment of control had. Ishmael and Isaac, if you look down through their lineage, what you have is huge, because out of Ishmael you end up with the Palestinian people, and specifically you end up with Muhammad. And out of Isaac you have the Jewish nation, and eventually specifically Jesus. And today there's still tension between the Jewish nation and the Palestinians, and there's still a tension between following Muhammad and following Jesus, all because control went bad here. And control is such a temptation for us. It's, amazingly, it's an amazingly complicated combination of our own selfishness, our egos, and our impatience. And when those three things converge, we will do what it takes to get control. Maybe it shows up in relationships. Maybe you haven't found the right person for you yet, and maybe you want someone who loves the Lord, who loves Jesus, but when you can't find the Christian guy or the Christian girl, you settle for just the guy or the girl. And God has a plan in that, but, but, but I'm impatient, so I'm just going to do what I want to do. Maybe it shows up in our finances. Maybe you're struggling financially. And you know you're supposed to put God first, and you know that God has promised to bless you, but you don't have enough money to actually put God first. And so you don't truly trust God's blessing in your life, and you take control. And even though our control is often what got us into the position we're in when it comes to things like finances, we think more control will get us out. If you're a parent, it may show up in your parenting. Maybe that amazing project your kid turned in was actually a very small portion of their project. I'm really going to try really hard not to be that parent. Or, or maybe the grade our kids receive is the grade they deserve, but we're right down there to the school trying to fix it rather than trying to encourage our own kids. We as parents often struggle with control. There's a, a somewhat unreliable yet interesting news source that recently published a t- statistics, and one of those ones that I wanted to share with you, but I really hope it's wrong. But even if it's only a little bit wrong, it's still very, very wrong. But they published this statistic that said of recent college graduates, 8% actually bring one of their parents to job interviews. I, that's got to be wrong, right? Like, I really hope that's not true, but if it's 1%, it's way too high. 
control. You know, mom can give you a ride. That's no problem. But if she's coming into the job interview, that's control. Let it go. And so here's what we need to do. I really think that each of us today need to think about whatever that area is in our life or that person is in our life or that situation in our life that we are struggling with, with, with trying to control. And if you have a pen, I would challenge you to write it down. Like if you, if you write that down, that'd be great. Because there is something about, um, there's some power in owning it and writing it down and expressing it. And if you're sitting next to a trusted person, maybe a spouse or, or somebody like that, I would encourage you to let, let, let them see it. Because there's power in that too. If you're struggling to come up with something, maybe let them point it out to you. Ask somebody who knows you well, what do I always try to control? Because that's actually another whole, whole issue here is we don't even always realize the things that we try to control. Now, if you don't want to write anything down, that's fine. You're just proving my point because by not writing it down, you're staying in control. Um, I say that kind of jokingly, but kind of seriously as well. I would love for you to write something down and then ask yourself the important question, is this something that is really mine to control or is this something that I'm supposed to, to trust God with? I can pretty much guarantee you that if you're honest with yourself, it's something that you could give to God and things would be going a lot more smoothly. And so it's hard to admit that. It's hard to admit that I need to give something over to God. It's hard to admit that I can't handle something. But I want to share with you three questions that we should all ask ourselves that will help us know when the choice needs to be surrender instead of control. Three very simple questions. The first one is this. Is it worth my concern? Is it worth my concern? In truth, there are so many things that so many people get really upset about that aren't actually really their concern. And I know this is true of me. And do you want to know what the biggest reason I do this with? I worry about things that aren't my problem. Because there are legitimately times that I sit back and I say, that bothers me, I have no idea why, but that bothers me, and I can't tell you why, but I also can't seem to stop it. Sometimes it's none of my business, but it still bothers me. Sometimes it's completely out of my control anyway, and I know that, but it still bothers me. Sometimes it doesn't affect me in any way, but it still bothers me. In those moments, we have to be willing to give that up, to choose surrender over control. If we are worrying about things that there is literally nothing we can do about, I think all we're doing is taking time off our lives. Because it's just, it's pointless. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Uh, When I get home from the office every day, my kids' rooms are not perfectly clean. I know that's surprising to a lot of you. A lot of you have met my kids, and you think obviously they are... Actually, they're pretty messy little slobs, um, and they learned it from us. They learned it from me, specifically. And there are days, especially days that they've all been home, maybe a day off of school or in the summer, when it drives me nuts how much of a mess they've made. But someday, not as far from now as I'd hoped, they'll, they'll, they'll grow up and they won't be living in those rooms anymore, and in light of that, is the mess really that big of a deal? In the moment, yeah, it absolutely is. It drives me crazy. It matters, but it doesn't matter as much as I let it matter sometimes. See, the idea here is not so much that we just stop stop caring about anything. You can still care, but there's a difference between something mattering and something affecting you deeply because of how much we let it matter, and that's that's not worth tearing myself apart about. 
We do that. We get caught up in stuff, and sometimes it's stuff that doesn't matter at all. And sometimes it's stuff that doesn't matter as much as we're making it out to matter, but either way, we lean towards control every time, and we need to stop doing that. As I was working through this exact portion of this message, writing this exact portion of this message, my wife texted me about an old friend that had started going to a church that I knew of in Ohio. It was just a random like, informational text. Hey, did you know this person was going to this church? Don't you know some people there? And when she mentioned the friend, she used her maiden name even though she recently got married. And I started to type to correct her on the name. I started to text her back like, hey, you got her name wrong. And I stopped and erased it because it didn't matter. It wasn't worth saying anything about. I knew who she was talking about. I figured it out. There's a good chance she figured I might not even recognize it with her married name anyway because she just got married. And so I was going to take the time to rather than just say, oh, that's cool, she goes to that church, I was going to take the time to correct her on that. And actually, I found out later that is why she used her maiden name. See, I'm learning that I don't need to control everything, but even in that little moment, I was like, here, I need to tell her she's wrong. That's a sign of control. If you find yourself regularly pointing out little things, then you've got control issues. Absolutely. So is it worth my concern? Ask yourself that question. More times than not, I think you realize, you know what, it's not. The second question, is it mine to control? This goes right along with asking if it's worth my concern, because if it's not mine to control, it's certainly not worth my concern. A question to ask about this, maybe even the better question to ask with this is actually, is it something I should do something about? Because if there is nothing you can do about it, it is not yours to control, and it's not worth worrying about. Is there an action that I could take that would even make a tiny difference? If not, it's probably not worth the amount of focus I'm giving it? Honestly, sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes there is something we could do about it, absolutely. God doesn't want to do everything for us. There are certainly things he wants us to do for ourselves. A wise man said it this way. He said, there's a big difference between surrendering control and relinquishing responsibility. That's deep. It's heavy, but it's also true. For example, if you're, if you're struggling with finances, you don't just sit around going, okay, God's going to come through for me. I'm just going to sit here until he fixes my issue. That may be how some of us deal with that. But I can imagine God's response. I gave you two hands. Get to work. Don't spend so much. All these different things that you could do, and God's saying, yeah, you, could, you could do some of the work here. But the problem is we go too far sometimes, and we put it all on ourselves. And we don't trust God for anything, even for guidance. And we say, I have to do this all myself. We need to be willing to do what we can and surrender what we can't. It's a balance, again. And that's the healthy balance we're looking for here. But, but too many of us can't find that balance. We fall too, too far one way or the other. So is it worth my concern? Is it mine to control? And then the third question, would it be better in God's hands than in mine? Even if it is mine to control... And even if it does seem to be worth my concern, would it be better in God's hands than mine? It... Because there are times when our answers to the first two questions, is it worthy of my concern, is it mine to control? There are times when the answer there is, I think, or, or sort of, or maybe, and it doesn't seem cut and dry. In that situation, I believe the best question we can ask is this, would it be better in God's hands than mine? And the answer is always yes. Always, always yes. Philippians chapter 4, beginning of verse 6. 
says this, don't worry about anything. <laughs> Easier said than done. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, it's entirely possible that you've heard at least part of that passage of Scripture before. It's the kind that, that's in a get well card or a, a maybe like a, just an encouragement card that you would send somebody when things are tough. You know, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And... But what you may not realize is, is when those words were actually written. See, Paul wrote those words in a letter while he was on house arrest, legitimately chained directly to a Roman guard. Doesn't that put what he said in a different light? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you'll experience God's peace. How are you writing about peace when you can't leave the house? And I want you this isn't today's house arrest. This isn't, you know, I wear the little beeper on my ankle and I can go to school and I can go to work and that's all. This is legitimately chained to a guard who's probably not that nice. And he still writes those words. How many of you have been anxious about something in the past week? Uh, probably all of us. And yet here's Paul saying that in every situation, every single situation, we need to present our requests to God by prayer and petition. Do you know what I really think Paul is saying there? I think he's saying that we need to surrender those things to God. Whatever it is that hangs over us, whatever it is that makes us anxious, we need to surrender those things to God to loosen our grip and to let God take control. You know, we often use prayer as such a last resort. We get down to where things are bad and we say, well, all we can do now is pray. That's wrong. And I've said that. I've said, oh, I guess all we can do now is pray. That, that's wrong. Prayer should never be our last resort. It should be our first line of offense and defense, whatever, whatever you need, everything in between, because God hears our prayers. And so in those moments where we struggle to let go of control, in those moments where we struggle to surrender, we need to pray. And God promises peace. And if a bunch of control freaks like we are could, could be honest, we, we, we could really use some peace. Peace would be nice. People who struggle with control, they have a very difficult time ever finding true peace. Because there's always something to worry about. There's always something that, that I, need, I need to fix. There's something I need to do. There's something, I, something I'm worried about, something I'm thinking about. And yet God offers a peace that exceeds anything we can understand. And so here's what I think this comes down to. I think that our choice between control and surrender is also a choice between control and peace. And when we surrender whatever it is to God in prayer, we are in fact... In doing that, in giving that over to God, we are choosing peace, His peace. And it sounds amazing, but we're still going to struggle with it. And yet I had this thought, and I want to leave you with this today. As I think back over my life, I'm not sure the moments that I held tightly to control in a tough situation, I'm not sure that those moments ever worked out for the best. Like those tend to be the things that didn't turn out so well. Those tend to be the moments that I realize later I absolutely should have let go and let God. 
And the moments, as few as they are, to be honest, that, that are the moments that I gave it to God, surrendered it to Him, even if it didn't turn out the way I wanted to, there absolutely was a peace there. And I don't know about you, but I will take peace over control any day. Whatever it is that we're holding on to, we have to give it over to God. Because it would be better in His hands than in ours. Let's pray. God, we keep such a tight grip on so much stuff. We trust you until we're not willing to let go. We say, you know, God, take this from me, but we, we often don't actually mean it. God, I pray that you would help us to, to get over that. Give us a, a taste of that peace, and I think we'll realize that we've been making the wrong choice all along when it comes to control. God, we, we, we need to give over. Whatever it is that, that we just can't seem to get past, whatever it is that worries us, whatever it is that we're just trying to keep our hands on, whatever it is, it, it's, it's standing between us and you, and so I pray that we can make the right decision and give that over to you, whatever it is. And maybe, maybe that's one of the issues here. There are, there are so many things that it could be. But God, we want to know your peace, and so I pray that that's what we would choose. Help us to focus during this time as we continue in our service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.